We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. We are rolling to the college football season. Uh, we are 93 days away uh, as of today. Uh, we're going to talk about some hot topics in college football and tie them into IU. So that includes name, image, and likeness, uh, division alignment, and things like that, TV contracts, uh, and the transfer portal. Uh, so, you know, all these hot topics from the offseason will uh, we will talk about today, how it affects IU. Uh, I do have some quotes from Tom Allen uh, on those subjects as well. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have a good time talking college football. Uh, but first, a word from our sponsor over at ColorCast. Uh, ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download to use. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real, in real time. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app. It's free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league you want. Um, and follow your favorite teams and personalities on Twitter. Uh, so come with your spiciest takes. Uh, TJ, how are we doing on this really warm Wednesday afternoon uh, here on June 1st? Yeah, it certainly feels like the uh, middle of summer, doesn't it? Um, shortly after Memorial Day, but uh, definitely feels like the dog days, if you will. But certainly lots to talk about. You mentioned hot button issues for college football. Uh, it has become a sport that really doesn't sleep, and there's a lot to talk about. You're right. All of it does relate to IU. Uh, IU is not going to be front and center in any of these discussions, but uh, it's going to have a big impact on the program. You know, what happens with divisions, what happens with the Big Ten's TV contract, uh, and the ongoing evolution of NIL, uh, which is changing, you know, rapidly and changing how schools have to recruit rapidly. So, all of it does impact Indiana football for sure. Yeah, uh, let's first talk about NIL, uh, TJ. It has really become uh, uh, pay for play, it, it seems like. You had Nick Saban calling out Jimbo Fisher about his recruiting class uh, and then walking back those words, it seems to me, uh, and things like that. Um, you know, there's always been an under the table, uh, you know, handoff in terms of catch probably and a lot of these programs but now it seems uh with it being legal the NCA I, I thought dropped the ball they didn't do anything on it so I'm not shocked that it's gotten out of hand uh, and rules aren't getting enforced and that's one of the things that Tom Allen told me when we had our one-on-one -on -one interview is that it's frustrating that there are rules in place and they're not being enforced and he likened it to um 
you know, speeding on a highway. And if nobody's getting a ticket, you're going to continue to speed until you get that ticket. And so far, nobody in NIL has gotten uh, a ticket. I, I do think there's a way to do NIL that prevents this pay for play. Um, you know, come to this school and get a two-year deal or whatever's going on in Miami. Um, because I do think the players should make money off of their name, image, and likeness. But you can't, I don't, it's a real slippery slope and a real fine line uh, between pay for play and, and letting student athletes um, make the money that, that they've earned and deserve. So it, it's a, it's complicated. I think the NCAA made it more complicated when they didn't act upon it. Everybody has saw this coming for years and, and they mm -hmm. just ignored it. Uh, and, and things like that and let conferences and states and all that stuff do their own thing instead of having everybody on the same page. Um, but when I asked Tom Allen about the great good thing about NIL, IU has a, a deal with Hoosiers for Good. If you haven't listened to our podcast with Hoosiers for Good, it was back in April. Um, they are setting up IU athletes with different charitable organizations around Bloomington. Uh, in that, you know, Southern Indiana area, area. Uh, and there are six football players. They're going and participating in events. They're taking part in advertising and all that stuff. That's the kind of stuff um, that you would like to see with the NIL. Players being used in commercials uh, for things. Uh, you have the video game coming back, jersey sales, like that stuff. Not some booster owns a car dealership paying a, a quarterback a, you know six figures a year to commit to this team so uh, there's a fine line what are your uh, opinions on nil uh, very very difficult uh, in terms of enforcement very difficult in terms of um even how you begin to uh, be able to tell who's doing it the right way and who's not, and and what is the right way. I mean, uh, I I think that there is an argument to be made that um, somebody like Texas A and M, which um, I don't think there's any question that you know they've got more money that some of their boosters have more money than they know what to do with and. Uh, are approaching it as what makes me, what brings me joy, and they find that the answer is Texas A&M winning football games, and how do I get Texas A&M to win more football games? Well, this five-star recruit is down to Texas A&M and Texas and Alabama. Okay, well, uh, I will chip in $500,000 and entice this player to come play for us uh, in common station and that will bring me more joy uh, I, you know i i struggle to say that um, that's necessarily wrong i don't think that that's what's best for the sport i do not think that that's what's best for that uh, that college student um but you know i'm not from the same situation that that college student is in uh, for for a lot of these young men, this is life changing in a in a good way for a lot of them. You know, it's it's 
helping get their families out of bad situations, helping, uh, you know, get them into maybe a, a better housing area. Uh, maybe it's, it's helping get adequate food. I mean, I, you know, that's the, that's one side of it. The other side of it is, uh, it, it certainly doesn't feel like this is the way that this sport is supposed to operate. Um, it definitely begins to take it into more of a professional, uh, professional model. And it doesn't feel like that's how this is supposed to go. I think that there is a happy medium that can be found. And so far, it hasn't been found. And you're right. The NCAA's hands-off approach to it, which let, let's be clear about this. The NCAA has very little power over enforcing any particular rules. However, I think that they could be much stronger on proactively gathering schools so that the schools had motivation to enforce the rules that are in place. Um, I've seen several, including Tom Allen, say, you know, look, we don't need to revamp this whole system. We just need to enforce what's already there. And, I, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Um, from a coaching standpoint, I'm sure it's incredibly difficult because if you come out with anything negative to say about NIL, What's the first thing that happens? You get slammed for, quote, not getting it, or, um, oh, this is a bad look for the head coach. This is going to hurt recruiting because, you know, um, I saw some negative comments about Tom Allen coming out and, and saying, look, I think there's some issues here. In no way, shape, or form did Tom Allen come out and say players should not be getting any money. He never said anything like that. The exact opposite. He just thought that there needed to be some additional enforcement on the way that players and schools are pursuing this yep. and the way it's being used in recruiting, which he's not wrong about that. But if you as a head coach come out with anything negative to say about it, you do run the risk of potentially alienating some recruits who might just see a headline or hear from another coach. Hey, Tom Allen over there, I know you're considering IU, but he doesn't believe in this. He doesn't think you should get paid. And that's not right, but that's going to be used in recruiting. So I think it's a, it's a really, really delicate tightrope that has to be walked by coaches. Um, and I think there needs to be a lot of, uh, attention paid not by the NCAA but by the schools themselves in terms of what products do you want to have and I mean do you want to turn this into a you know uh, the, the thing that I continue to come back to is the European model when you look at their sports college sports don't exist it's you know, it's a soccer club that brings players up through an academy as young as 10 years old. They go to school, they're in this academy, 
and the ones that are good enough can continue to move up and then can sign professional contracts when they get to 15, 16 years old. And that's not a perfect model either. That model has its flaws. But I feel like we're tiptoeing closer to that if it's just going to become, all right, I'm a, you know, uh, Joe Johnson is a five-star quarterback and he's just going to go make it very plain, hey, look, I don't care about system. I don't care about fit. I don't care about any of that. I just want to know who's going to offer me the most money to come play at their school. And I think it's getting dangerously close to, to being that and only that. And I think that is uh, a problem that has to be explored by the decision makers at the university as far as what do we want to be? Yep. And then you get into the whole, you know, unionizing players. If you get into the professional model um, and things like that, uh, it, it's, it's complicated because, and we'll talk about this in a minute, that there's a, the Big Ten is renegotiating their TV rights deal and it's expected to be over a billion dollars and double the uh, payout for each school from, I think, 53 million to 100 million. So, you know, does the NCAA jump in and say, hey, this is your pool of money and the schools can do the NIL deals? Um, or are we still going to continue on these collectives? And, and coaches are going to say what's best for their program. Tom Allen knows he can't compete NIL-wise with Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, um, you know, these schools who have boosters who are just throwing money around. Um, you know, you have IU fans on several boards saying, why do we even have collectives that are giving money to football? It should all go to basketball. Um, and I'm sure yeah. there's opposite at other schools um, too. But, you know, he's not anti-NIL. He's trying to make it – he has – he he has to be concerned about his job too. He knows his job's on the line and he has to win games. And in order to do that, you have to recruit. Uh, and right now in order to recruit and get guys and these highly ranked guys, you're going to have to have an NIL package, whether that's, you know, from local advertisers, whether it's from the Hoosiers for good collective, whether it's from the, the Hoosier hysterics collective, Whatever it is, you're going to have to put together, hey, this is what we're doing, uh, and these are the guys that we're putting through these programs, and here's how much they're making, and, and here's our deal with Adidas and how many jerseys we're going to sell and, and things like that. So it, it's you, you can't bury your head in the sand anymore if you're one of these older fans. It, it's happening. It, it's, I think it's here to stay. Now, in what form? We'll see. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe the NCAA needs to hop in and say, hey, you know, the only money you get from NIL is from the money that your schools are bringing in from athletics. Yeah. And then and I, gotta... I think one, thing, one thing that I think is going to be really interesting is, you know, a lot of this money is coming from 
you know, large donor boosters. Previously, that money was from large donor boosters was being used for facility upgrades and was being used for things like coach buyouts, attract a new coach that we want, um, yep. give a raise to uh, ex-assistant so that we can keep him. It was being used for things like that. Yep. Um, at, at some point, I've never had money like that, so I, I can't say this for sure, but at some point, I would think that once you start going to that well for NIL money, and oh, also, we need this facility upgrade, and also, man, our coach, he's getting offers from this other school across state, and we need to probably bump up his salary another 100000 to keep him. I mean, at some point, you keep going to that well. It's going to dry up. At some point, like, no, I've done enough. And I, I wonder what the push and pull is going to end up being. Now, we're not at that point yet. And I, I don't think that that point comes in the next 12 months, 18 months, whatever. Um, but the, the return on investment, like it's not an investment decision. It's a, it's a, a power to, you know, a power investment in your money. It's a, uh, I enjoy spending my money this way because I like seeing my team win. But at some point, you'll hear no. And I wonder where the faucet shuts off. Is it facilities? Is it NIL? Is it coaching salaries? Um, I don't know. But it, it is going to shut off. And then from that point, what do the schools do when those yep. big money donors aren't giving for some of those things because they're giving for something else. Um, yeah, I, it's a, a formula that there are no current answers to. I don't think that there's a quote right answer right now. Um, but I, I do think that it, what we see right now is not what it's going to look like 12 months from now. I'm no, confident in saying that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and you're, you know, let's say that, five-star quarterback doesn't pan out for local businesses and things like that you know yeah. people are billionaires and millionaires for a reason it's not because they just throw their money at nonsense i mean they do but that's not how they made their money um and i don't think that they're going to keep doing it if a the team loses or b the market's going to correct itself and say hey you know, the, that five-star quarterback's not worth, you know, $2 million over four years. It's, you know, really Absolutely. maybe $100,000 over four years or $500,000 over four years. So you, you got to, the market's going to correct itself eventually as well. Um, and you, you can't, well, I'm happy that players are going to get paid because only a small percentage of them are going to go play pro ball either in the NFL or one of these other leagues. And this is, hey, if you're – if you – look, I don't think anybody's going to college thinking that, hey, I'm not going to make it to the pros because that's a, probably not the mindset you want in a four- or five-star recruit. But 
you know, you could guarantee yourself a little bit of a nest egg um, and to get out of certain situations that you, you just, Hey, I, I'm going to take it. And, you know, if I, if I go pro, um, you know, I'm now starting off on a, on a really good um, level, but yeah, you're right. We'll see what the schools do. We'll see what the NCAA does. It pro- it is such an evolving and fluid situation um, that has been let to get out of hand by certain people in power, but we'll see. Uh, and I think all the three topics that we're talking today go hand in hand together. Uh, let's talk about TV rights deals, uh, TJ, and kind of the division mashups later. Uh, the Big Ten is meeting on June 5th, which I believe is Monday, next Monday, uh, to talk about whatever topics they talk about at these Big Ten meetings. But it is expected that they'll announce their new TV rights deal. And it's supposed to be in excess of a billion dollars, which will double the payout, you know, about double the payout for each school um, for for their TV rights for, um, you know, at least for football. And that's what people, especially IU fans don't get. All most of your money is coming from football and the football media deals. The basketball money, yeah, private donors are great, but that's coming from the NCAA tournament. Um, and there's a whole bunch of shares and it's a whole thing. But your athletic budget and what you do with it is coming from the football side of things, and that's going to double. Uh, here in the next few days, starting in 2023. So where, where do you see this playing out? ESPN's a player. Fox is a player. It looks like NBC's trying to get in. Um, there could be some streaming services get in. Uh, you have Big Ten Network as well. Um, how, how does this all shake out? I think that what's, what we know for sure is that it's going to be a record-breaking rights deal. We know that. I mean, that, that's basically a guarantee um, from pretty much every media outlet that's that's reported on this. Uh, it's going to be a huge number, like Scrooge McDuck swimming in the pool of money type deal here. Um, the players involved or the, the entities involved, it also seems very likely that the Big Ten is going to split the deal up uh, among multiple parties, which is interesting. Um, I think that that leads to increased national television exposure uh, because you are going to have, you know, a number, if you, if you sign a deal with say three different big networks, let's say Fox, CBS, ESPN, hypothetically speaking, um, we know Fox is going to be there. That one for sure. I think it's very safe to assume the Big Ten wants to be partners with ESPN still as well. Uh, And ESPN wants that. Yeah, ESPN wants the Big Ten too. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say that they will be there as well. It's that third and potentially fourth partner where it gets really interesting. Is it NBC getting back into the college football game outside of Notre Dame, of course? Uh, Is it CBS? They are losing the SEC. 
So a, a way to respond to that is pick up the Big Ten for that one huge national TV game a week. Uh, whatever the partners end up being, if you have multiple different national television partners, that means more national television time slots. Um, so I think that is interesting. Uh, if we see streaming services, you know, if NBC gets in there, is it, hey, we're going to have uh, one Peacock exclusive game per week to push our streaming platform. And it's going to be on, uh, you know, uh, Friday nights is going to be on Peacock. Or is it a, a Saturday at 3.30 is on Peacock? I don't know. Prime but to you're going to see increased, um, yeah, Amazon Prime. Did, did I get in with Amazon? Um, you're going to see increased national television slots. Uh, and then from there, you know, the Big Ten and it's in its schools, member schools, budget-wise, you have a leg up on every other conference until those TV rights deals are done. Like the Big Ten rights deal is going to be larger than – every other major conference, even when they get to their new deals, with the exception of the SEC. Um, that new deal, I, I want to say, comes up in the late part of this decade, I think. Uh, but you're going to have, a, let's say, five years here where you're getting way more from your rights deal than every other school is. And what the universities choose to do with those funds, how they invest those funds, it's going to go a long way towards the success or failure of your athletic department. Um, it's it's going to be, you know, with with the corny line of with great power comes great responsibility, kind of applies to the money here, with with this great reward of this money comes a lot of pressure to produce because you're going to have the resources at your disposal to do some big things with facilities, with coaching salaries. And if you play your cards right, you can propel your program up in the pecking order. If you don't, you're going to get passed by real quick. Yep. But from a, from a personal standpoint, I would love to see – uh, the Big Ten get on CBS. I, I think that would be awesome. One game a week on CBS, um, a few games a week on ESPN, and a few on Fox, like Fox and FS1, as we currently have it. Um, I, I think that that would be really, really cool. Now, would IU be featured much on the, the CBS game? Uh, no. I mean, we'd be getting the the Vanderbilt and you know Missouri treatment where the the one national CBS game that IU gets slotted into would be against, you know, Ohio State or Michigan, but still, it'd be cool. It'd be really cool to have the Big Ten on, on that, uh, that network, but um, I, my primary thing is please put it on stuff that I don't have to pay more money to to watch because I'm tired of giving these companies my money. Yeah, I, I think with you know, uh, Apple TV could be a player too. And I forgot who I was listening to it, but the, the strategy of if you are these streaming services, do you 
charge for the package? Do you just increase rates a little bit and hope people sign up for it? Because uh, I know everybody has Amazon Prime that I know. If you don't, um, reach out and you'll be the first person I know who doesn't have Amazon Prime. And Prime. Or you're sharing a password, right? You're sharing a login with somebody else. You know, you've got to. Correct. Gotta... Correct. Mom right. or, you know, uh, sibling or, you know, you, you split it with your spouse. Um, whatever it is, you have access to it. Um, do they, you know, up it a dollar a month? Do they do it like DirecTV does it with the Sunday ticket package where, you know, it's you pay an extra $40 a month for six months um, or whatever it is? Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, but yeah, it it's becoming not as efficient to cut the cord and get all these streaming services than it is to keep cable uh, and, and things like that. Uh, but the TV deals are going to be game changers. I think the SEC deal, TJ, um, with ESPN starts after the 2024 season. Um, so we'll see what, what happens with that. There, If you look at a lot of the charts about projected revenues for conferences the big 10 and the sec are pulling way ahead of everybody else and i think in the next decade or so the sec is going to pull away from the big 10 so that's iu is going to get an influx of money i think that also goes towards the tom allen's got to win this year i think because you're gonna be able to afford a buyout uh, as well um and you have to make sure that there's some momentum in the program. So that makes that opening game a little bit bigger, just a little bit bigger than it is. Uh, so we'll see. Let's uh, switch over to the transfer portal, TJ. Uh, the transfer portal, I don't know when this thing's going to settle down. Uh, hopefully it's when all these COVID years are, uh, are up and, and things like that. But it seems like rosters are getting redone through the transfer portal. I talked to Tom Allen about it uh, a couple weeks ago about how the difference between re- recruiting a high school student and recruiting a, a, a portal guy. Um, and, and there's some big differences. You have more of a relationship um, with the high school student. You start recruiting them at a younger age uh, for more amount of time. Uh, but it is also a roll of the dice. You don't know how they're going to develop physically um, on and off the field and things like that. But in the portal, you kind of have, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, they, they've proved it on the field or in practice or something like that. Uh, there's just a lot of physical differences between somebody at 17 coming to IU and some, unless you're Marcelino Ball, um, and somebody at, at 20 or 21 uh, coming into IU. I, I I don't know what the solution is to the, the transfer portal. It kind of sucks as a fan because uh, you don't really get locked into players uh, and and things like that. But that's, you know, winning games is probably more important than, uh, oh, hey, my, my favorite backup or third string quarterback is heading to another school. Uh, I do think there needs to be rule changes in terms of nobody during the season can 
enter the transfer portal. Um, IU got bit by that last year. You saw uh, Samson James leave. You saw Tim Baldwin leave uh, and, and things like that. So there were a lot of guys who went into the portal that you can't replace uh, in season. So I think having restrictions or deadlines on that, hey, if you're looking to leave, you got to leave by July 1st. If, uh, if you don't leave by July 1st, it's after, you know, the national championship game, whatever that is, you know, the second week of January or, um, you know, by January 1st, uh, unless you're playing in that national title game um, or both, you know, whatever it is you can enroll in, in the spring and things like that. Um, smarter people than me will, will figure it out, hopefully. But hopefully this whole having the extra COVID year really, um, really, changes it and i think another solution that they had uh the ncaa took the cap off of the 25 scholarship uh in recruiting you can replace they still have the, the 85 scholarship limit but if you lose like 40 scholarship guys to the transfer portal and graduation you can replace all 40 of them uh, from my understanding i think that's a, a good equalizer too because tom allen brought that up is that we can't replace all the guys that left because there are these caps and now there's no cap. So it should make it a little bit easier on some of these teams who, who lost a massive amount of people um, and now can, can bring in more than, you know, either equal it out or bring in more than they lose. What are your thoughts on, on the transfer portal? It still sounds cooler than it actually is. Um, it is not the Dr. Pepper transfer portal in the graveyard or wherever it was. Uh, but yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah. Is this is this thing here to stay permanently like this, or do you see it ever calming down um, once these we cycle out of the the free COVID year, kids? I, I think it is going to settle quite a bit, uh, and one of the main reasons I believe that is I think that the number of guys that don't find another spot is going to start to scare some people that aren't sure whether or not they want to leave. Um, some of those, look, if you're a, you know, surefire starter, you're going to find a spot. If you're a depth guy, uh, you know, it, it might take you a while and you might never find something at that the level that you left. Um, there, there are a lot of statistics out there about, players that enter the portal and do not find another home. Uh, they they leave the, you know, they leave the school that they were at because it was not an ideal situation for them. They weren't getting enough playing time. Maybe they were kind of gently asked or not so gently asked by the school that they're at, like, Hey, this isn't working. You got to find someplace else. Like, we'll, we'll help you find a landing spot. You, you got to go. Um, I think that it's going to be very interesting to see if stories of players that were, you know, maybe a, a backup at a power five program that thought I'm going to enter the portal. They're just not using me the right way. I'm going to find a, you know, a, a, a mid-major program that I can start at right away. And three months later, 
they don't really have any takers and end up, you know, the season gets ready to get starting and they're still in the portal. Um, and the game passes you by really quick. Like you sit out a year, coaches are going to forget about you. They're yep. more invested in the guys that they just brought in or the guys in the next recruiting class, whatever. So I do think that stories like that are going to start to scare off some of the guys that maybe aren't sure whether or not they want to go and they'll end up toughing it out at that program they're at and either making it work or not. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of that. And then, yeah, the, the guys that don't have that extra COVID year cycling out as well, that's going to normalize things some. The portal itself, yeah, I don't see that going anywhere at all. Um, it, if utilized correctly, it can absolutely change your program. I use hoping it does for them. I think if you would ask the coaching staff or the guys that you lost, how many of them were you sad to lose? I bet the answer is not very many. And of the guys that you brought in, how many are you really excited about and you think can help you this coming season? I bet it's much more than the number of we were sad to lose that guy Yep. as a player. As a person, I'm not saying anything about that, but as a player for impact on the field, I think the IU coaching staff feels like they got a lot better utilizing the portal outcoming and incoming. Um, you know, we're going to see, we're going to see because uh, Indiana definitely needed the portal to exist in order to revamp the roster. And we're going to see whether or not it, it pays off the way they think it will. Yeah. I mean, it's – you have almost 20% of your roster um, is is new, and they were new for, for spring uh, and all of those things. Um, you lost a lot of depth pieces on on offense. Um, you know, a couple walk-on running. I think the coaches feel like – and I, I don't disagree at all – that they have replaced those – depth options with better either starters or better depth options. Um, yeah. I mean, a quick guesstimate on my part, and I will go through and identify an exact number, uh, you know, before we start our season preview stuff, I would guess that right now, if they put together a two deep for a game, I would bet 12, 13 portal guys would be on the two deep. You think that's fair, a fair number? Yeah, I think that's a fair number. Um, I mean, the only guy, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, a couple of the receivers you lost um, were were a big deal with, with like Miles Marshall and Jordan Williams and some of the other guys and, Jacoby Hewitt, they were, you know, outside of Jordan Williams, those two started a a lot of games and played a lot of ball for IU. And then you have Reese Taylor leaving too. But outside of that, it's, it was all guys who were third or fourth on the depth chart. 
a couple guys who went and got scholarships and, and that's great for them. Um, you know, they gave, they made the most of their situation at IU and put together enough game tape and things like that to, to go get a scholarship from another school. And you can't blame them there. And that speaks to the development that IU does too. And that looks uh, good on the, on the, the coaching staff there. But I think having removing the cap is going to be key here to, yeah, you have to stay under the 85 scholarships, but now you can, you could over what used to be over signing. You could fill, you know, if you had 28 guys leave, now you could sign those extra three guys. And I think that helps your, your problem too, with guys who are leaving, not having spots. It's, well, if you had 50 guys left, you could still only sign 25. So it, it's, we'll see. It'll be interesting where it, it lands and ends up. Um, any other hot topics that are going on in college football, uh, TJ, that you would like to talk about? No, I think um, I think our next podcast, we're going to talk about divisions because I think we both expect there to be uh, some news coming out on that in the not-too-distant future. Uh, and news is going to be some change to the current structure of the divisions, whether that means divisions are gone entirely um, or if it means that there's a different pod system of some sort. Um, we are going to see a change in the way that the Big Ten, uh, you know, conducts football season. So we'll, we'll save that for when we have some news on it, but um, that's kind of the next big thing that's going to impact Indiana. We'll continue the countdown, of course, uh, as, as that goes on. And uh, not too far from now, we'll start taking uh, first looks at IU's opponents, beginning, of course, with, uh, with Illinois. Anybody interested, the Illinois State of the Program piece on The Athletic uh, has been published, so go take a look at that. As always, they do a great job uh, looking at every team around the country Illinois happened to come out, I think it was late last week. So uh, take a look at the Illini and, and Indiana's first challenge of the 2022 season. A familiar foe in Brett Bielema at a, a new place for him. And as we've talked about, that's just a massive game, and we'll start looking at opponent previews uh, coming up soon. Yeah, we'll get into opponent previews. Again, the Big Ten is slated to meet on June 5th. Uh, so expect some news to come out, whether that's, you know, a divisions update, a, a media rights deal um, announcement and things like that. You've seen the Pac-12, you've seen the SEC say that they are going away uh, from divisions. So I would expect, I, I guess, maybe, maybe this is me being dumb, but I would expect that the Big Ten will follow suit um, and not be that guy um, who just doesn't refuses to adapt. So um, it'll be an interesting. It's an interesting uh, off season uh, coming to a close, and uh, and we'll see. So thanks for joining us, TJ. Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back here next week to talk about whatever else drops. It's not going to be a quiet off season. It is not, and that's great because we didn't get to cover spring practice, so. Uh, give right. us all your talking season uh, points and, and we'll be happy with it. So today's show, uh, today's episode of the Hoosier Huddle podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink. 
Your digital water cooler sports drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. Uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. So go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled sportsdrink without the vowels. All we ask is to close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. Uh, anyway, that does it for today's uh, podcast episode. As TJ said, our countdown to kickoff is underway. So head over to hoosierhuddle.com uh, to read about all your favorite players on IU. We're at day 93 as of publishing. Um, also check us out on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. And you can find us on Instagram at Hoosier underscore huddle as well. Anyway, it has been a great day to talk college football. We'll be back next week, uh, hopefully with some more news on media rights deals, what could possibly happen with divisions in the Big Ten um, and other things in college football. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Enjoy uh, the month of – enjoy the summer. Football will be here uh, sooner than we think. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. 
Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 